I'm Nicole Tamron. I'm a watercolor artist and introvert who ironically loves to talk shop. One thing I know is that no matter where we are in our creative journeys, we all have something to teach as well as room to learn because there's no one singular path when it comes to doing art. And hearing the stories of others are truly what allow us to get out there and tell our own. Join me as I reconnect with industry friends for real talk about art, business, and all the life that happens in between. Today, I'm so excited to actually get a time to sit down with my dear friend and fellow watercolorist, Melissa Hyatt. Melissa, thank you so much for coming and being willing to be part of this little weird experiment I've got going on. I'm more than happy to be part of your weird experiment. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I am too. These, these first preliminary episodes, if you are a new listener, because all of you are, we're calling them my like guinea pig episodes. So the people I love and trust the most are willing to jump on with me. I'd love to find out a little bit, like my biggest question for everybody is just how, how the heck did you get to actually do art for a living? Like what did, what does that starting point even look like for you? Were you a creative kid? How did you pick art school? Like what, is, what were those preliminary kind of preliminary journey stories, I guess? So growing up, I always took art classes and kind of explored my creative side. Both of my grandmothers were artists, so that was definitely an influence on me. But I wasn't really sure that I wanted to go to art school. So like at all? I, at art all. school? Oh, interesting. What were you? What I, was the other thing you might consider if you weren't an I artist? Know. Like, this is so nerdy, but like, I love math. And I'm like, maybe I want to be like an economics major or something. I don't know. I just was, I was unsure that I wanted to go to art school. So my dad started taking me around to look at colleges. I grew up in Connecticut. So we went to schools that were kind of close by. Like he took me to RISD and Pear College of Art. And I would look at most of the schools were really tiny. And I just, I don't know, wasn't feeling it. And I'm like, I don't know that I'm that artsy. I don't know if this is right for me. So uh, my dad's friend was a guidance counselor and we were at a Hartford Whalers hockey game. And he was talking to me about college, looking at schools. And I said, I just don't know if I wanna go to art school. He goes, well then look at a big university that has a good art program. And then if you change your mind, you have lots of choices. I said, oh, I like that idea. So I looked at um, BU, Boston University, which was my number one choice. And I looked at Syracuse University and I applied to both. And I got into both, but BU, I did not get into the major that I wanted. And I was a little upset. What was that major? What was the major? It was, it was just like communication arts or something, yeah. advertising design. And they stuck me in something else. And I was like annoyed by that. And I thought, <laughs> okay, fine. They don't really want me for the program I want. Then I think I'm going to go to Syracuse and great choice because I ended up in a major that I went for advertising design, but you don't declare a major till uh, sophomore year. So during my freshman core program, I was in my design class and my professor, um, Bev Russo, I'll never forget her. She's like, what major are you going for? And I said, well, I think advertising design. And she said, absolutely not. You have an amazing sense of color. You need to go to surface pattern design. And I'm like, what is that? I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is. She's like, go to the department and check it out. So I did, I went and did a tour and they told me, you design fabrics and wall coverings and greeting cards in China. And I'm like, oh, I never really thought about the fact there's someone that does that. All right, I'm gonna apply to this department. And I did, and I got in. And Melissa, that's, that's one of those crazy things I, I've, I've always been fascinated by because you know most, and I see this all the time, most of us bump into surface design, but most of us bump into it so much way down the road. And again, you bumped into it too, but I, you're the first person I'd ever met that had surface design as an option in school. Like, I think that's such unique, like right there, that's a Absolutely. very unique turning point. And I didn't even know that was an option in school. You were in a school that had it and you didn't yep. know it was an option. And it's just, and I think about the luck of just being in that particular person's presence. I don't care if it's a conversation or it's just, it's yeah. just like the weird, I don't know, what is that universal magic of just having that person be like, hey, hey, you, you should check out this way. And then just, okay, I'll go. I'll, that's amazing. It was, I- and I am a firm believer and things happen for a reason, right place, right time. 
you know, I went thinking I wanted to do advertising design and went in a completely different direction and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it was a tiny department and maybe 15 of us that in my, my grade year. Now I'm at a university of 13,000 people, this tiny, tiny little department. And you could see the upperclassmen as they were graduating, they were getting placed. They were getting placed at like Brunswick and Fee, Schumacher, like West Point. People were doing bedding. They were doing fabric and wall coverings. And the placement out of that department was just incredible. The connections with, um, with the manufacturers, it was incredible. So I graduated and started working for a fabric company in New York City after graduation. And everything was hand-painted then. I sat and I mixed little pots of gouache paint and I hand painted color plates. So they'd give me a design like, okay, this is gonna be wall covering. We want you to do like eight color combinations. And that is what I did all day, like every day for almost two years, mixing my paints, painting my color plates. And I loved my boss, he was great. It was a tiny, tiny company, but there was like nowhere for me to grow. Like I wanted to design and I was just doing color. And I loved that part of it, but. Well, this is a I, question as someone that did not have that even background. What is a color plate? What does that mean when you're actually talking? Uh, is it something that someone else is designing and then you're adhering color to? Is that like a printing so plate? Yes. So the design was already either purchased from um, another surface designer they bought the artwork from, or it was from like an antique document that they were going to convert into a pattern. So I would have to find a section of it that had all the colors in it. And these, some of these designs, because it was a high-end design um, D&D building company, it could have 20 screens, 24 screens, 36 screens. It could have a lot of colors in it. But I had to find that section of the design that had all the colors in it. And I put a piece of tracing paper down and I would trace all the elements in that whatever size square I determined I needed to do. And then I would create a color tab for each color in the design. And then it was like almost paint by number. Now I had to fill in the colors in the design of where they needed to go. And then look for references, look at things that sold well for them in the past and create new color combinations for either a fabric or a wall covering design. And you were a color, like when you say glass with colors, color separation, they're literally talking about that. I was, yeah, I was a colorist. So now we have job that's, title. That's crazy. Yep. That was my job title was colorist. And so it was great. I learned so much and I became really good at mixing colors, let me tell you, because it's like I just did that constantly. And I started to kind of want to do my own designs. And I just happened to randomly meet somebody who was a real estate agent who leased property to a, a freelance design company that was looking for artists. Wow. It was so random. And he's like, you need to talk to this woman. Okay. I talked to this woman and I started doing on the side, I started doing designs for her, original designs. It, she was geared more towards apparel, but I started cranking out all these original designs and she was selling them. Like it was crazy. And so she finally said, you need to come and work for me full time. And you could still keep doing your original designs, but I want you in the studio too. And so I did. And it was a crazy place to work. In terms of just the speed or just- Yes, stress, very stressful. We got paid not very well. You got paid per the piece. So the faster you were, the more you got paid. And so it was intense. Yeah. It was really intense. I met the greatest people I'm still friends with today in that environment. We just bonded because we just had to help each other to get through these deadlines. We would we would do design projects for the Gap and Old Navy. We'd have to design, like paint the patterns on a shirt or a sweater and do like 20 combinations. And they had to be done like overnight. And it, it was like the deadlines were really crazy, but it was it was a great experience. It was a great experience. So, and a learning curve too, which you just totally all of those things. So, this is really interesting. So, you went from really working with color to 
it sounds like fast fashion, not even just like, cause you're going from a more high end to totally. fast fashion, which is a whole different structure of it was. needs. And it again, was. I think I, it's so funny. Cause as you're talking, I'm thinking, I know that that's still all the same needs now, but when people are like, oh, it's just gotten faster. We also have different tools. You're physically doing this. So it is kind of that oh, yeah. same turnaround stress level. And so, yeah, you may have had more time, but you also had more that was ha- happening. Like you're physically, physically painting, painting all of those program. varieties is just wild. Exactly. Painting and drawing and no computer at all at this point. And that wasn't even like a thing. So it was intense and it made me realize that I wanted to get back into home furnishings. Oh, like interesting. Apparel. Yeah, that was not it. <laughs> was just not for me. And so it was good. It was a good learning experience. And, you know, I kind of took my next step and I went to work for somebody who was licensing artwork for different product categories. As, so how did, what was the capacity? No idea what that was. What was the it was capacity? a job in the New York Times. I just answered this ad for like an assistant stylist for this home furnishings company doing licensing. She, she was a book, she wrote books, this woman. And in her book, she had these elaborate patterns that were surrounding her pa- the pages. And of course, there was an artist behind it that did all the patterns for her, but she kind of was the mastermind and put it all together. Well, then she started getting approached by wallpaper and China companies and greeting card companies because they loved the artwork. So she started licensing that art and other art into all these different product categories. So I went and worked for her for about a year and a half. So what was that role though, to work for another? Because, you know, we all think about licensing as being a fairly solo mission. And then, you know, obviously there's, there's a, a range there. So with this woman, I, I think that's just a little bit of, there's this other world, right? That I am just, I haven't had experience in yeah. where you yeah. have other people creating artwork to go out under your name and your brand, which is a little bit different than mm-hmm. I think a lot of, I mean, all of the experience I have had. And so what, what was that role structure like when you're creating, like, were you actually making art with certain derivatives in mind? And then they would take that in she would basically come up with the concepts and some of them were tied to her books or she would just come up with, you know, this Victorian romantic floral collection. And she'd pull all these references together and we'd have different artists that freelanced for us as well as the artists in the studio. So I would kind of, I was a go between, between the artists and the, and the design director. And then I also would do some artwork, but a lot of it for me was getting the artwork ready and making sure things were done on time and working with the manufacturers. I did wall covering collections while I was there. I would actually go to the mill and oversee printing too. Uh, We did China, we did greeting cards. So I worked on layouts for those things. So it was kind of whatever I needed to do to help the product get um, to market. And it was... It was interesting working for somebody who wasn't actually the artist. Right. So it was really interesting and a major egos like came into play and I'm pretty like chill. So I guess I was a good fit for that. But after a while I was like, oh my God, this is insane. And we worked crazy hours and she actually got a license to design a furniture collection. And I went to High Point, North Carolina with her for like a month to do the showroom. So we had to design the showroom. I did some hand painting in the showroom. It was so crazy. Like I knew after that month, I'm like, I cannot stay in this job. It was like, not it. Well, this is very funny because I, I literally feel like we're going through your experience collecting ingredients. So where we 100%. had next, where we had next, <laughs> where, where did you transition out of that job? I want to know where you're. I went out on my own. I went out on my own. And, and that's, that was the one that pushed you up. Okay. That's hysterical. Okay. So yeah, we are literally picking up this and this and this, and then you had enough that you were like, I, I know this world, I can figure this out. So what did, what did going out on your own look like at first? So going out on my own, I started working, I worked from home and I just started tagging in with companies that I maybe had met along the way. 
And do you need design work? Do you need color work? Do you, I used to do bed renderings. Like I'd actually illustrate what the patterns would look like on beds. I'd work for a lot of um, sheet companies, you know, bedding companies, Wamsutta and West Point, people like that. And then once you work for one and then you show your portfolio, like a physical portfolio, you go there with the <laughs> portfolio and it's, oh, you did that bed rendering? I need a bed rendering. Or can you turn it around like in a weekend? Yeah, of course I can, you know, and whatever you needed to do. And so just started freelancing and- Because that key, I have to tell you, I think it's a really hard one to turn is how do you go from working with people in that structure to freelancing. And I, you know, I, I've talked to a few people about that and it is this relationship part. Like when most, because you know, freelance to me is an anomaly. I have mm -hmm. no, I, if you told me I had to go out and freelance, I would have zero knowledge of where to start. And I think that's one of those really interesting things. Cause you, th that's the goal, right? Especially in school, a lot of that time is said, oh yeah, you'll be a freelancer. Well, how do you do that is really the next question. And the more people I have learned that have done freelance and been successful at it is that you don't start with freelance. So I don't love that. That's like the, the direction that we seem to think is the, is the starting point is freelancing because freelancing right. to me is, you know, you're sending it out into the ether and what you're doing is kind of culling an area that you had worked in professionally for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And then you just rotated your capacity and said, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is now what I'm doing. So I think that's always a really, I don't know why I just find that that is such an interesting piece because it's almost like, are we setting ourselves up for failure when you say, just go out and freelance, because I don't know how to just go out and freelance. And I think that's a, I always love to, to know how that happens. And that right there is another example of how that happens is develop the relationship first and mm -hmm. then you can move it to a different component. Mm -hmm. which is and I think along the way, I met people that were freelancing so that I knew it was possible. And it was a lot about networking, but at this point now I've moved through three different jobs. And, and at the third one, I made connections with the wall covering company that I went and I worked with. So when I was on my own and they, I had a great relationship with them while I worked for the design director that I did, I called them up. I'm like, I'm on my own. I have a portfolio of designs. And they're like, great, book a ticket. We'll pay for it. Come to Ohio, bring your art and boom. And they bought like collections from me. And then they commissioned me to do additional ones. So it just kind of, it was just people I met along the way. And I was just good at connecting back up with them. and. It's interesting because I, as I'm talking about it now, it's like a lot of what I do now, but it's do now, yeah. a different capacity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so. like another really interesting point that I always find as, in, so I'm an introvert. You guys all know that I'm a super big introvert, which people will say, I don't see that in you. And it's not that it's not there. In fact, it's a fighting through process all the time, but business. And I think what's really hard is a lot of creatives are introverts, but a lot of doing business with creativity requires you to push outside of those. Like some people have a very natural rapport with people and they just make connections as they go through life. And that's, that's wonderful. Sometimes that, and then that's, but that's a really another key ingredient that you need to, to freelance, to go out on your own, to be a productive, you know, creative with business involved is you have to be able to bridge those social connections. And it is part of the job mm -hmm. if you're going to do freelance or working, working in the capacity where you're not a full-time employee, where you come yes. in from time to time, you need to be personal. And what you just said there is not just to meet people, but then to like go back and follow up and maintain great connections everywhere you left. Again, it was not a flaming ball of fury, right? You, it's, it just was time to move on. And generally you move on, but with, with a good rapport and a good connection is left. And that's something that is so key to building a more freelance type structure to career, which is, I think, a, I almost hate that it's part of it, but it is part of it. And that's something mm -hmm. to acknowledge. So did that get easier for you? Or have you just always been natural with that? I'm not intimidated. It could even be talking to somebody. I teach a lot of watercolor workshops now in my, in my current life. And friends will say, don't you get nervous? Like before you have to stand up and talk to people. I'm like, no, not really. I just kind of just start going. And I, I think I've just gotten used to it and it doesn't 
really bother me. Yeah. I mean, I've had to do presentations in front of like hundreds of sales reps at some of the jobs that I had. And I just, you know, yeah, I would still get nervous, but I'm like, as long as I knew what I needed to say, I, and I love what I do. And I think that pulls me through. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes me nervous. I hearing you say that I would get nervous thinking yeah. about that. And that's, yes, it's a hard thing, but you're right. Once you kind of get in your groove and you're talking about something that you enjoy and you're passionate about, it will kind of subside. But I just, that, that, that would freak me out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that my daughter who's a sophomore in college right now, it freaks her out when I tell her like some of these things that I have done or that I'm going to do. And she's just like, I just public speaking. I, I, I'm not very good at public speaking. I'm like, well, now you know what you need to work on. And so yeah. she actually has a presentation next week and she's kind of a little bit of, rec- of a wreck about it, but she went to her professor and she said, like, this makes me nervous. She goes, okay, these are things that you could do. So she's helping her with it. So I give her credit. I because- do too. And I think it's also navigating how you work with the world. And I think, like, you know, I also have that same kind of kid and it's really not that though, because they're both very good at expressing themselves in a smaller, quieter form, specifically through social media. I've seen them both do it where they are able to interact with a camera and just be themselves because they don't ironically have the sense that there are way more eyeballs on that than in this room. And so one of those lessons, and I think maybe this is my age, maybe this is perspective, because do I still struggle with it? 100%. But what I hope is that at an earlier age, they can learn to not question what they put out in the world and just lean in, like lean into all those weird, quirky things that you see come out. But like, if they could just move forward I mean, heck, if I can move forward <laughs> with that, yeah. the hours that we spend questioning what we put out and how we put out and the judgment that will be there when we put it out is a huge, huge thing. And I think that comes from our artwork, but I also think it comes from all of these things, like speaking engagements and getting in front of people and, and all the ways that we have to do that in the world. And some people I do think have a harder time with it than others. And to kind of zero in on that and just say, what are the things that you can do? Like, what are the challenges you can set? And what are the baby steps you can make to Mm -hmm. move forward? Because it is truly part of business and it's part of interacting with people. It's so much about social relationships, which is, I don't know, kind of hard if if that's a a thing that's actually hard for you to do. So that's a really, that's, yeah. She's great at that, by the way. And she will be great. <laughs> she will be great. I think she just, I mean, maybe you just have to believe in yourself. I mean, I still get nervous. And I said to her, I get nervous every single time. Yeah. I, but I kind of push, push my way through because I want to make that presentation or I want to, you know, launch a new class on Skillshare. So I've kind of got to push myself. Yeah. Do you feel like you're gaining confidence in each of those times? Like you said, like now you don't get worried about a watercolor class because you've done these, mm-hmm. I guess on paper, scarier things. Mm-hmm. So is that part of that confidence building? Is it, I think so. I mean, if I, especially if I don't, if I don't know anybody at all, that tends to make me slightly nervous, more nervous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, like there's one friendly face of, oh, okay. There's my vet or there's my yeah. best friend, or there's somebody who painted with me before that sort of sets me at ease. It's when yeah. it's completely like all new where I may get a little bit more on edge, but I'm like, listen, they're here to learn. And I have lots of knowledge to share. Just lean into that. And yeah. usually it turns out. Okay. So, so I wanted to sort of fast forward. Cause I almost wonder, is this, is any of this kind of that presentation and the idea of putting yourself out there, how does that as an ingredient lend itself to when you started to do trade shows? Like, well, actually, and that's kind of another thing I wanted to find out. How did you move from freelancing Mm-hmm. to coming back in a little bit more yeah. targeted fashion to sure. what we would say is the umbrella. I mean, all of this is technically licensing, but like that licensing industry. Sure. Did that start with trade shows for you or did you participate in that in a different fashion before you started doing the shows? So I feel like most of my most of my career for a little bit, I did some original design and then I went into apparel, didn't really like that. Then I did some original design while I was freelancing which led me to get a job. I ended up going to work for Waverly Fabrics. They were one of my freelance customers. 
And so you went back to full time. I went back to full time and it was only because it was them. And I thought if I'm going to give up what I've worked so hard to get to, I've got to do it for somebody that I feel like is going to maybe get me to additional experience. That's going to help me, you know, further my career. Right. So I decided to take the job offer. I was a wreck and I have no regrets. It was great. I was with them for five years. I was a stylist for, I started out as a stylist for their fabric division. And then by the time I left, I was a design director for wall coverings and fabrics. And I was overseeing all the wall covering and fabric books that were being made by the division. And I had a staff that I oversaw and I traveled a lot and it was good. It was, it was an amazing learning experience. And while I was there, I used to attend the trade shows, shopping for artwork and design. So I was a buyer going to Surtex and going to different shows and working with artists that were looking to either sell their work, mostly sell their work. We did some licensing at Waverly, but at Waverly, you had to be like a big name. Like we licensed with Mario Boada and people like that. So there wasn't a ton of the kind of licensing I'm involved with now, but again, it was another touch point that I'm like, huh, that's interesting. But also I wasn't then at that point, I'd stopped painting. I'd stopped drawing. I wasn't creating art anymore. And it wasn't conscious that I said, I'm not doing this anymore, but my life just moved in this direction. I was super managerial and working on, you know, my career. And in that point in time, I did get married and it was upon the birth of my first child that I was at this point am I going to stay in this job and never see my child or make a move? So because I had freelanced before, I was okay with maybe going back to that. So that's what I did. I did not go back after my maternity leave and um, made a big move. We moved way out on um, Eastern Long Island near where it's like farmland and beaches and vineyards. It's beautiful out here. And I started freelancing again. You know, it is son funny was to me though, too, that, that, that split you had, how, and you talked a little earlier about not seeing growth potential. And so you knew it needed to move on. What is very interesting in the, the creative fields, unfortunately, is that everyone I feel like starts out in the creative, but as you, as you have growth in them, it takes you further and further away from the creative, which is what really put you there to begin with. And that's a exactly. really hard you know, weird cycle that it's like you start this thing because of a love and, but to truly grow and be successful in it, you will get further and further from that. And I do think that's a real turning point for people. And by the way, one that you would have very, you would have been very successful had you, because of that, like right, left brain thing that you obviously have, if you're going to be a math major, you got the right, left thing going on. But that (laughs) idea that you, you, that's, those are those weird sliding door moments. I really kind of always think are they're a little cliche, but they're so true, which is that ultimately when you sit in, with yourself and you're like, what do I value? And to value being time with your family over work. And then also the creative side that I'm not sure you ever meant to leave. It just kind of happens. It's like that slow mm-hmm. turning up of the heat. And then you turn around and you think, well, wait a minute, I'm not painting at all anymore. And when did that happen? And do I want that exactly. to happen? Exactly. And it was not, you know, it wasn't intentional. And I really felt like that job for me, it was like my dream job. That was it. Like I came out of school, I went to work for a textile company and that is your trajectory. You started as a colorist, you become a designer, you're a stylist, you're assistant stylist, you're a design director, boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, you're like VP of creative or creative director. Like that's sort of what this path was. And I just saw myself like just moving up in that direction. And then you know, things just like turned and I have no regrets. I feel so fortunate. I was able to spend those years with um, both of my kids and I just randomly signed up for a watercolor class at my local library. You're kidding. This is what got you back. I am not kidding. So it was like, I started doing some scrapbooking because I think I was feeling like I needed to do something creative And then I saw this watercolor class and I thought, oh God, I haven't done that since college. 
maybe I'll just sign up. And I went online and I bought, got all my supplies. I was like a kid on the first day of school. I was so excited. And I showed up at this class. This was like, this is 2010. So I go and I'm like, all right, this is cool. And I'm like blank pages staring at me. I'm like, oh good, can I even do this? I started sketching and we painted birds. It's, um, I did this hummingbird painting that's actually in my portfolio. It's in my licensing portfolio. And uh, can I even do this? I don't know. And sure enough, you know, I completed that first piece and my professor, the professor, I mean, the, the instructor was like, wow, do you like do this all the time? I'm like, no, I haven't done this since college. And she's like, okay, well, I think it's good you signed up for this class. I said, yeah, I think it is good. And like from there, it just like this door opened and I rushed through it and I'm like, yes, this is it. And so watercolor literally became my obsession. Which is hysterical because what I, my yeah. entire like history of, no, and we've known each other for probably a decade, right? Because mm -hmm. I, ironically, I think we both kind of started in the same timeline, weirdly, which is we have the kids the same age. So that, that checks. Maybe that just checks. But I've never even, I honestly, I, even though I knew you had this other, I didn't realize watercolor was in all respects a more recent thing because that's what I associate with you completely. So mm -hmm. how, so you, you just clicked in with that and was like, this is the medium and I'm running with it. So what, how did that actually relate? Because that to me means that you were not doing watercolor art, which I believe in my brain is the story I'm telling. When you were freelancing before, you weren't necessarily doing watercolor with your freelance clients. No, it was gouache. So did you Gouache start? and then computer. And then once like CAD wow. came into it, then I got, you know, I had CAD programs I needed and I did a lot of work on the computer. So I did do watercolor. I have some of my original watercolors from college in my studio. I did like very abstract um, plays with color. And there's actually a tulip painting that, um, tulips are my favorite flower. And I do have a tulip painting that I adore that I did back in those days. So do you feel like you were starting fresh a little bit in 2010 when you first started getting into watercolor? And I mean that on multiple levels. I, I mean, mean that with medium, with starting with clients, with- I didn't, yet I didn't. It came so naturally to me. I feel like it was there. It's just, I kind of wasn't tapping into it. And then once I- just like walked through the door, it was just like, okay, this is it. And then my mission became to figure out now how, and then I was, I'm still, I was still freelancing at this time for textile companies. And I still do freelance for textile companies, but that's all mostly CAD work. And I do sell some of my designs and I design for a particular company and that's watercolor. Uh, but I just kind of came to this point and I had, been freelancing for a couple different companies and one relationship really turned on a dime and it was something I was really depending on from a financial standpoint and like one day I was freelancing for them and then the next day I wasn't and it was like what happened and from that moment forward I just was like around 2015-16 I said I am not going to put myself in that position again I'm not going to be dependent on somebody else and I'm going to find a way to take my watercolor and my love for watercolor and make it mine. And I'm going to start designing for myself and licensing my own work because I was working for everybody else always, yeah, almost always. And so, and my branding was never on anything. It was always, that was my art, but then they put their name on it. And so that's when I started to, I popped back up at Surtex and looking around is, do I want to exhibit here? And how am I going to do this? And at the same time, I was building up my body of work and yeah, just starting to try to figure out how was I going to get myself into this arena that I knew about? I've known about it for years, but yeah, it wasn't really on my radar until I just became just determined to, yeah. to do my thing and like, let's go. So I think it's also um, the loss of the thing that's the dependable thing. I mean, yes. I, I joke to think that anything's dependable in terms of creative careers, but you, yeah. for all intents and purposes, like the thing that to me feels like so foreign that I would never think would be dependable. But for you, that was your dependable income to oh, it was. lose something that we think as dependable, I think is that real kick in the butt to say, well, if the dependable thing didn't happen, why the heck not do I 
take the thing that seems so like as the risk. Well, everything's risk is the thing. And so Mm -hmm. why not take the risk on yourself and force that issue? So you knew, so again, I love this idea that you're collecting these little ingredients along the way. It's like, we know about the trade shows. Now you found your medium. So that's, I guess, why I was wondering, did you feel like you were starting over? And you're never starting over, but what was that first? Like, so you knew Surtex existed. You now had your medium. Was that the next step or did you have something in between that? Well, I was asked uh, to do a designer show house out here on the North Fork. And I thought, you want me to do a designer show house? I'm not an interior designer by trade. I mean, I've worked for home furnishings companies most of my life. I have some experience. And I was like, okay, I've got nothing to lose. So then my brain starts clicking and saying, at this point I was painting my watercolors and I had pieces and I'm like, well, I'm using all of my own work now. I'm going to do this entire room and I'm using all of my own work. So I started printing my own fabrics and had window treatments made from them. And I did pillows and I had my artwork framed. And so this entire space was all of my art and my fabrics. And I hand painted like a runner, a rug on the floor. I'd had the kitchen to do, but I couldn't do any construction. I just had to do it decoratively. So I painted this rug on the floor, hand painted it. And it was just, so that helped me, I think, focus myself. I could see, I, well, I could see my art on wall art and I could see my art on fabrics. And like, these are the products. Now I need to go out there and do it. So that kind of pushed me into that mindset that this could actually happen. And people started wanting to order, I wanna order a print of that. And I wanna buy that piece of artwork. Like people were buying my stuff like right out of the show house. So this is very interesting only because I think about these like fork moments. How is it that you didn't end up down the road of basically being a producer of product or doing your own manufacturing and you ended up working with manufacturers or did you do both all the way along? I know you do both now. Or to do both. I do some of my own product development and I have my fabrics. I have designs on Spoonflower and I do pretty well with that. And so I've got a mix in my, I do a lot of G clay prints of my art. And that's like a big part of my um, yearly income, my prints and my cards. So I still continue to do that. And I think like after I got burned by this company and not knowing where my income was coming from, that's why I'm so, I got to do a bunch of different things to like make this happen because I kind of did in the beginning, like I had to get really kind of scrappy and kind of like, I got to try a bunch of new things because I got to figure this out. I got to survive here or I'm going to have to go get a job at Starbucks or something. Right. I, what was I going to do? So I just became determined to try to figure it out. So, and I knew the licensing part was going to be a growth thing. It's not going to happen overnight. And that's at the time blueprint started to happen at the same time as Surtex. Right. And so I met the people that were running blueprint and I went to the show and I talked with them and I had met, I'd gone to like print source maybe a year or two before when I was scoping out Surtex, I think when I bumped into you and Danielle one time, yep. and then Jennifer, I bumped into Jennifer Nelson, and then I started chatting with her. And so it just like all these things started lining up. And then I decided to do Blueprint in 2017 was my first. So Blueprint show. was really your first show. Yes. I didn't do Surtex because I honestly did not have $10,000 or whatever it was at the time. It's crazy. Yeah. It's I crazy. just couldn't. I'm like, I'm trying to pay my mortgage. I, at that point was divorced. I'm on my own. And I'm like, I just couldn't. And Blueprint was much more affordable. Yeah. It was run by artists. And I thought this is a better like entry point for me. And it was, my first show was phenomenal. And so then I was like, okay, let's go. And so that's kind of propelled me ever since until COVID. And then we couldn't do trade shows anymore. And I am a people person. So I miss that personal interaction. Absolutely. And that's, I do think, again, that's the stuff that moves business forward the most. So, which is, it's a, and we've been sort of chit-chatting about trade shows coming back and and doing business back in person. And so a lot of what was really interesting about COVID is it sort of tested some of those relationships that maybe 
were, you kind of came out of COVID with the clients that you know that you have a certain relationship with that is pretty solid. And the ones that you don't, it's in a weird way. It's almost a clearing of your slate. And it's just like, it helps you to reevaluate where time and energy needs to be spent. And I think a lot of people are coming back after that, that big stretch, whether you have been doing trade shows right along or whether you had done them speckled, it's enough of a break for everyone to just kind of say, all right, we have a bit of a reset and coming back and I think what's really nice about that is there's there's sort of an excitement to build relationships on both sides. Manufacturers from the same level feel mm-hmm. like there's, who knows, maybe the stock of people that they've been working with has gotten a little bit stale or dry. They're ready for something new, or maybe it's just, you know, again, that willingness and that that wanting to get back out there and meet new artists and fresh, fresh art, fresh faces, which is really exciting because you are doing a trade show this year, which I'd love to find out where your thoughts are on that as you're preparing. Um, so this is technically, is this your first time at Surtex? Yes. That's incredible. Yes. And so in 2020, in February, we did, Blueprint had a little bit of a spinoff show called Artful Rebels. So I did Artful Rebels and it was a really good show. I as well at Artful Rebels met three other independent surface designers. We were all in the same row together next to each other and across from each other. And this rapport just started. Like we were helping each other out even at the show. Yeah. Um, Another reason, by the way, that I love getting out and doing trade shows is really the connections you're making, not Mm -hmm. necessarily on the business side, but with other people doing with what you do. So that's right. Right there, so, it just happened to be in that little corner. And it's like- We were just put there randomly at drawing out of a hat and we kept in touch after the show. We started this little, it's like a group chat on Instagram and we still use the same group chat. So there were a few more of us initially and then it just kind of weaned down to four of us. And over that summer, like COVID had hit and nobody knew what was going to happen. You think it's oh, a couple of weeks, whatever. And we started talking and we thought, well, why don't we form an art collective so that the next time we have a trade show, we could actually exhibit together. And then it just makes more sense. We could share the workload and help each other out and not have to spend as much money to exhibit. And so we started building a newsletter list and we started introducing our clients to the other collective members because all of our looks are very different. Like I'm the only watercolor artist. Interesting. And then um, Lise is a children book artist and she does a lot of, you know, prints with cats. Okay. So like she's got her cat things and then Christina's, you know, does a lot of different mediums and Shimiza does a lot of hand lettering and her works, you know, a little more like vector-based, like it's, it's all very different. So we came up, our collective name is Picnic Art Co. So our little tagline is kind of like, we all bring something different to the table. Like, you know, we're all like from a very, various mediums and sources and backgrounds, but we have found success meeting with a client. They can get a really wide range of artwork from the four of us. So that is kind of been like our model going forward. And now, of course, we haven't been able to do a trade show because of the way the world has going. So we did some virtual trade shows and, you know, it was struggling and we do Zooms occasionally with clients to show them work and, you know, trying to sort of build. But as soon as we heard that Print Source was coming back and Surtex, we started the conversations and we jumped in and we've got a corner booth. So we've got really good placement. And we're in the midst of like dividing up the prep work. I'm working on mailers, the postcards, someone else is doing banners, you know, we're doing social media and like, we're kind of dividing up the, um, the tasks and, you know, marketing all of our artwork together. And so I'm excited. So do you, I would love to know how you feel, because I think that's truly one of the reasons that we all connect so well is because these creative careers are these like solo journeys. So I would love to hear and you may not even fully know it right now, but the experience you're having 
prepping for a show that you did on your own and the feeling like you have the support of a group prepping for a show? Like, yeah. Do you feel like your confidence is higher and stress is lower or is, is it different? I feel that I don't feel as heavy of the load on my shoulders as I have for, I did Blueprint three years and art for up. So I've done four previous trade shows. It's, it was all on me. Yeah. And so the stress of creating new work and then designing the banners and then the social media and all the things that you have to do. And now it's, we have, we have weekly meetings on Fridays. In fact, after I'm talking to you, I have a meeting, a meeting with them and we go over, you know, kind of status and some of the artists, one of them's really great at organizing. So we have these spreadsheets that are like incredible. I wouldn't be doing those spreadsheets. That is just not my thing. And, you know, someone else is good at InDesign. They're going to do the banners, you know, and we all like, we can all kind of play to our strengths. And it's nice to have people to make a decision with when you're always working on your own. So that part's been phenomenal. And it's those, if we talk about it a lot, it's, I always hear it more in the range of like marital situations, but um, the idea of mental load to be mm. able to share micro decisions with other people is really, yes. you know, to almost like you have to decide not necessarily, like maybe you're deciding what the postcards look like and someone else doesn't have to decide like those little, they're, they're, they're not huge decisions, but they do add up and they do weigh down. So just to be given the artwork versus having mm -hmm. to understand the layout and the templating and even just researching how much they are and the sizing, like exactly all of those little teeny things. So Very that's, nice. that's a, that's a really, I love that you're having that experience and that's being a positive one, because I think that's a, that is a challenge for all of us as independent artists that we all reach a point where I think you have to do those solo missions to get you in a different place. I think we all have done them, but sure true everyone's really looking for a good balance and what's also interesting is that you guys are all so different so I would love to hear a little bit about what is the unifying element is it the fact that and again going back to relationships what you're offering clients is you're all a very you, you get along very well so I'm assuming that's a certain personality type which I totally believe is part of people's style and business model at this point so yeah. is that part of the connection piece like if a client liked you and your watercolor Normally I would think in the studio, especially, or even when I think about my agency, there's a certain style that people are looking for each client. So how have you found success with four different styles? And is it part of it, the approach? You know, it's interesting. I feel like one of the things that binds us together is we all are very passionate about doing this business, about licensing our work and we all there's different variables going into it some of us do it that just full-time others have more full-time jobs so this is a side hustle but we all have this common goal that we really want to we want to grow our offerings we want to license more and we want to share our work so I think that is a mo it's we're all very motivated um that I think really helps. And I have to say our work, I find like our work really complements each other. Like the softness of my watercolor washes versus the more like graphic kind of feeling of some of the other artists. It's almost like a place to rest when we put our work together. And even when we do our newsletters, it just, we pick a theme and everybody like puts their art into a folder and we each take turns every month with who's doing the newsletter. And you think, how is this possibly going to work? And then it always just like really comes together really nicely. It just kind of flows. So I don't know. I, it's just, I don't know. I think all this like lovely art just coming together and it just, I think furthers like we are all different. And so our art is going to be different in the way we interpret something. So when we pick florals, like we just get four versions of what's a floral. Yeah. You know, and there's so many interpretations. And I say it at my workshops too. And I'm like, your artwork is not going to look exactly like mine because we are not the same person. Your influences, your style, the way you paint, it's going to be different. 
but that's okay. Like we're all unique. And so it should be unique. So, but there's also something that's landing. And like you said, you're like, how is this working? And then when each month it comes together and it does, I think that's really what's interesting is that it's still all in the different aspects. The idea is to still serve the same client, right? Because there are some people that are more modern, but there's also clients that will like a traditional artist, but they will need a slightly modern take on it where you might have a super modern client that really wouldn't look at a traditional artist. So I think that's more what I think is pretty magical if that's happening well, is that even with the four different styles, it's still the same client base that's receiving it well, because that's pretty magical. Mm-hmm. to have that happening mm-hmm. that's a again those those kind of freak chances that happen in life but it, they're the right ones and then yeah. you're seeing them actually work out really really nicely you know and I think a lot of it too I have found even with the first piece I ever licensed like so much of it is timing you got to be you got to have that art hit the desk at the right time that's what they're looking for boom the next thing you know they're like yeah can we license that fall art for a card I'm like yeah okay sure like out of like the blue. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting way of, of working. And it's like kind of mysterious at times, but um, I just keep plugging away. And like, I actually about a year or so ago was really seriously considering like getting an agent to rep me. Yeah. So exactly. like I go through all of those, I want to do it myself, but yet I want to paint more. So what am I doing? And, you know, I, you know, that may be down the road for me, but for right now, I'm excited that trade shows are opening up again and we're just going to go for it and see what happens. I mean, I had my best, I signed the most contracts on my licensing in 2021 in the middle. You're kidding. The panic. I am not kidding. I have this chart where I'm like, keep track of how many licenses. I had a much better year signing contracts in 2021 than I did last year in 2022. That's crazy. I, I, I don't even, I don't even know. So we'll see what 2023 brings, but. So as a math person, cause you know, I'm a very analytical person. One of the things I find so intriguing about this is that we are numbers people and we are practical people. And yet we have both chosen this industry that requires such a huge amount of faith and leaving it, like you said, like not knowing, like there is no math that either you or I could do to help predict income, to help analyze income. There is so much of that, like blind faith with all of this. And what an interesting thing that we've both been attracted to because I don't know. These are not the things that make me necessarily feel comfortable, but at the end of the day, these really big decisions. And I think you're, you're completely dead on with the idea that like everyone, I mean, we all do, right. We all waver of, because it's such a blind faith thing, that questioning of, am I doing it right? Is, is a constant theme. It runs every single day. And, you know, we do both go through these periods of, should I do it on my own? Should I do it with an agent? And I love that you're introducing this idea of, should I do it with a collective? Because there really are just so many different ways to do it. And the more that, you know, our options, maybe that's, you know, you, what, what are we all doing? We're just kind of going through, trying to find our fit, trying to see the thing that works. And it does take a lot of experimentation and just seeing how it goes, which is, yeah. It, that's a hard, that's a hard part. Do you find that as part of the industry, that's a hard thing for you to have this be such a, a, what if, I guess is really what it comes down to. I, I think so. I think I know that I have a lot of determination and I don't give up easy, easily. And I think you need that if you are going to get into licensing because you may have like, yeah, my first show was great. And I, I met some great clients. I ended up selling some work outright, which isn't really the path I want to focus on, but for my first in, it was okay, but it just, it, it's a roller coaster. And I think you just have to be in it for the long run. And Actually, it was Andrea Turk from Blueprint who kind of said that to me, something along those lines when I, because she knew it was my first show. And she's like, listen, 
it's going to take, give yourself like three years till you're going to see some return. People, clients want to see that you're still here, that you're committed to this game, that you're not just going to be here today, gone tomorrow. I thought that was really interesting. So and- I just have to, that magical number has just appeared again. Three. Why, why, did, why three? I don't know three, but three seems to be this like very, if there's, if there's a number out there, it may right? be three. <laughs> it's so funny. And I was like, okay, so, you know, t- 2017 to 2020, and I had my best year signing contracts in 2021. So it was just about three. Yeah. Into that year. I was like, whoa. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And even with the pandemic in there, somehow it still um, was clicking. People still needed art. So, you know, that's all good, but yeah, I mean, it motivates me having the time frame, like getting ready for a trade show. I was out of that loop for a couple of years and I feel like I maybe wasn't focusing as much on my surface pattern work as much that I was painting. I love to paint landscapes and I was doing a lot more of like my landscape kind of artwork sort of pieces. But I think that was bringing me like kind of peace in a time where it was very unsettling. Yeah. And that's what I always go back to when things are like a little bit shaky for me. And just last night I, I was taught a class and I said to them, I'm really yearning to paint some landscapes. Like I love, this is, this is like a little pattern that I've been working on. So, you know, I've been working on this little Christmas, love that. Village, right? So beautiful. Okay. I love doing this kind of stuff, but okay, I just want to go paint like uh, some barns in a field and like do my clouds and my landscape. So I kind of need that, that relief, but the balance, the great thing. Yeah. So it's a lot about the balance and I am a Libra, so that's important, but, um, I still do a lot of different things. I don't just do the licensing. Yeah. So I kind of have to always be juggling what it is that I'm working on, but I do know that I need to also go into my studio and make art that I just want to make and not have to worry about it being for a licensing portfolio or for a particular client. Um, now so have you actually, cause here's always the kicker. How many yep. times have you done something totally for yourself and it's ended up being picked for licensing? A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Or it becomes like one of my best selling art prints in my shop on my website and I was like, yep, that's just happens to be that view that I love. And I painted it and everyone loves it. And so it definitely works both ways. And I think that it is important. Like I want to love what I do. I love what I do, period. But I also want to like love that piece that I'm putting out there. So yeah. it's important. I think that's Absolutely. important. So in this whole idea where we're kind of, we're getting ready to start some new things and you've got this healthy level of, you know, letting things lie and having, what is that universal energy sort of like direct you to your next step? What do you think is kind of ahead for you is, is I don't know if a focus is really the, the right way to put it, but I guess so. Like what, what are your sites set on? I mean, we've got the trade show coming up, but this year for you, what do you see happening as far as things that you'd like to see with your artwork or, or with your business? So I would, I'm very curious to see how things go in May with the trade show. And I really want to continue that licensing part of my business. I want to expand my, my scope for teaching. Like I want to be able to reach more people to teach them watercolor. So I do a lot of classes locally, but I'm working on building like a stronger or more flushed out online learning platform. So I have classes on Skillshare and I also do a lot of Zoom classes on my own that I tape. And sometimes people buy the videos of those and they could do them on their own time. So things like that, just finding ways to, you know, share my love of watercolor with more people. So trying to figure out what that looks like, but that's a big goal of mine. And I see that, you know, going forward, it's something I want to continue to do. So I'm excited for you. And honestly, I, I hope, first of all, as much as I will tell you, 
<laughs> I know Melissa's little journey. I don't. And this is why these are so cool. So one, I learned so much today and I'm so excited about that. And also I'd love to do this again and check in with you maybe after Surtex or later down this year and just find out where all this is going. Because as we know, these stories are always evolving, which is really pretty yeah. incredible. And one of the reasons I love that I have all of you guys in my orbit is, you know, I always say like we meet through licensing, but there's so much more that's out there besides licensing. It's like the buzzword, but it's not the end all be all. It's always a piece. And it's really truly about finding your particulars that make, you know, life and work. And I mean, I'm just going to say it, income, all of these things balanced so that we can continue to do what we love to do. So I'm so glad we got to do this today, Melissa. I'm really looking forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you, Nicole. It's been great. I'm so glad you were able to join for today's chat. If you have a friend that you think would also enjoy some industry chatter and conversations about surface design, art licensing, as well as hearing from other creative business owners, please share this with them. At the end of the day, creativity, it takes community. I'm Nicole Tamron, and I look forward to reconnecting with you soon.